All right, listeners, welcome back to My Kid Watches. This is Jennifer, and I'm here with John and Jesse. Hello. We are we are recording an episode tonight, further discussing Blippi and sort of cross comparing Blippi with other children's content that we thought was similar and yet very different. And uh, welcome. We're we're good to have this conversation. We're glad we're glad you guys are here. Um, I personally uh, watched some Mr. Rogers and some Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse and some uh, Gecko Show. Gecko Experience. Is there is there a name to the I, Gecko Show? I am not really. Do you mean Gecko, Jennifer? No, it's the Gecko. Gecko. Well, so like the fire truck is Gecko and the fire truck. Gecko visits this Gecko. Gecko's real vehicles, I think, is the name. Are you of sure the they're show. not trying to sell you insurance? <laughs> <laughs> Different gecko, definitely British. Although, no, I guess the, ge- the gecko gecko is also British. Why do geckos have to be British? What's up with that? I don't anyway. know. <laughs> That's it's just because British people sound classy no matter what they say. So we we have to have British people. But he's kind well, of got geckos... like a Cockney, like a yeah. like he's more like a, hey mate. Right, right. Yeah, or maybe not even going like to try to go past that. Else. Yeah, no, but Gecko, the Gecko's Real Vehicles, which I think is actually the name of the show. I'm not I think it's Gecko's it. Garage. Uh, oh, all right. I just there looked up Gecko Kids Show. There is a Gecko's Garage show on one of the platforms that Aiden has explored before, which and, and it is the same Gecko, but the video says, latest episode of Gecko's Real Vehicles. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. I found it on the internet. Uh, <laughs> Which is what, what this whole show is about. Right. That's yeah. right. That's right. I stumbled upon it, and uh, he's British. But it, his is, like, set in somewhere British because the, the, it has people, and they are also British um, versus the Geico commercials. But anyway, no. Um, so I, I, I watched some of that, and I have to say, of the three, the content-wise like what was covered i managed to find this gecko exploring and discussing fire trucks and fire and he went to the firehouse but he more focused on what the people did like the people the fire fighters and the fire chief or whatever it was called were involved they were like discussing and talking to the kids and explaining things and um, talking about what they do instead of like the gecko was just sort of there hosting like I'm kind of here hosting um, and and then he let the the actual firefighters do most of the educating okay. so that was kind of more interesting it was a very big difference although it is still pretty surface more like blippy like here's a fire truck here's a fire station let's talk about it but he ta- I mean 10 seconds in he's like the firefighters are going to talk to us about the jobs they do. So it's definitely like talking to people. Um, and they were women and men. I don't remember a whole lot of race diversity, but it's somewhere in rural England. So I believe so, you know, must, might be difficult. Um, so that one was kind of interesting and I will put that link. I'm going to have to go ahead and open it so that I can remember to put the link on. Uh, so we can add it to the show notes whenever we get to, to that. Um, Mr. Rogers, uh, was a personal favorite of mine as a kid and one that I thought, you know, a one man show where he's the central character and he's talking directly to the children and trying to relate to them. That sounds sort of like the premise. 
of Blippi, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, otherwise, it's mostly going to be it's going to it's going to be a contrast, guys. It's going to have to be a contrast, and I will let um, you guys jump in on that one in a little bit. And then there was Pee Wee's Playhouse, which <laughs> Jesse is going to have to tell you guys all about the background of Pee Wee Herman and um, the guy who plays him. But I watched maybe seven minutes of a Pee Wee's Playhouse episode before I was ready to gouge my eyeballs out and throw my phone in the pool. So I can't. I'm that sorry. That would be a blippy science project. Oh, God. Does, it, Does it sink or float? Oh, I don't know. Does it sink or float? I think it's going to sink. Do my eyeballs sink or float when they're in the pool? Um, <laughs> those, will, those will float. Those will float. They're mostly water, guys. They're mostly water. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Let's inform Blippy. Um, I suppose they would float. No, yeah, uh, I can I can shed more light on that. I did oh, I did uh, research. I did all of two articles, so get well, excited. Well, tell us a little <laughs> bit about the background of Pee Wee Herman. Of Pee Wee Herman. And okay, Pee- so I I decided to compare Blippi uh, with Pee Wee Herman because I felt like they kind of had the same vibe as far as uh, their oh, just boy. zaniness goes. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, so when I started looking into it. Uh, it, it really seems like Paul Rubens, who is the creator of Pee Wee Herman, um, has a lot in common with Stephen John as far as his past and what he, the kinds of things that he found funny prior to becoming Pee Wee Herman. And he actually created Pee Wee Herman in the 1970s with Phil Hartman. They were both part of a comedy troupe, an improv comedy troupe um, called The Groundlings, which is a terrible name in my opinion, but hey... It depends that on what they for mean them. by groundlings, maybe. <clears throat> I don't know. It's just the ground. It's the groundlings. Um, Is the improv troupe not great? Could be like an interesting do- fantasy <laughs> thing or something. Yeah, they were based out of Los Angeles, and um, and so he creates this character, Pee Wee Herman. But it was, it, he said he based him on somebody who he thought would never make it in comedy. So like he created this, this character who is a stand-up comic, but who would just, you know, tank, I guess. And I would really like to look back at if there's any footage of that, um, because I think that sounds hilarious, but he was a very kind of, he made a lot of innuendo jokes as Pee Wee Herman starting off. Um, And so I, I felt like that, or I thought that had, a lot to do with Stephen John and how he got started. You know, he got started with very um, kind of toilet humor. Yeah. Yeah. And things that maybe weren't as safe for kids or not safe for kids, but um, not appropriate uh, as much for kids. So I thought that was interesting because he was somehow was able to transition too from that to a children's show host. And that, that came about after he gained notoriety through HBO specials, he went on David Letterman. He actually workshopped the the first time he like went into the world as Pee Wee Herman was on the dating show, where the dating game was that what it's called? The, the dating game. Oh my. Um, yeah, he played he played somebody on the on the dating game. I think he said he went on the dating game three times um, <laughs> as Pee Wee played Herman. as Pee Wee Herman as Pee Wee Herman. Wow. And. It, Paul Rubens has always talked about Pee Wee Herman as like a conceptual art piece because I guess that was kind of a big medium of acting and art during his time. His playhouse was definitely conceptual. Yeah, for sure. 
So there's a lot of that influence there. Um, and there's a lot of absurdity and just, you know, there's a, a, an interesting balance of absurdity and reality mixed within MPV's Playhouse and all of the, the different movies that he did. So that's a little bit about, you know, the background of Pee-wee, how he, how he came to be. I found that fascinating that he did just <clears throat> totally switch from doing more adult humor to, you know, he talks about the moment that he realized, like, he put on the suit. That's when he realized, like, he put on the suit and suddenly it wasn't just a, a weird voice anymore and it wasn't just, you know, saying things to be weird and, and zany. Suddenly he felt like he was Pee Wee Herman and that there was an avenue for this you know, going into children's entertainment. So that's kind of fascinating to me. And I, I would really encourage Stephen John, if you're listening to this, to check out the background of Pee Wee Herman and sit down and talk with him if you, if you can um, interview him because he has a pretty fascinating uh, life as far as how he got into this business and then also his transition. And, of course, he also had a scandal that nearly tanked his career did for a little while it kind of you know he took a step back from the spotlight after he was arrested in 1991 but you know he he was able to come back from that and so that's that's going to be interesting to track blippy's history as well yeah you know okay so i didn't get to even finish the episode because i just y'all i just couldn't my brain was like (laughs) nope go back to mr rogers where you belong (laughs) um but I gotta say, as 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 the the medium goes, like watching it felt like I think Stephen John has to have had some influence from Pee Wee Herman because there's the Pee Wee Herman giggle, and it's not just the giggle everybody's the <laughs> that everybody's familiar with, but like in the play, right. he keeps doing this little giggle, and it's just it's repetitive. It's over and over and over. He does it a bunch, like Stephen John does the what is his catchphrase? That's so awesome or so yeah yeah yeah. And and yeah. he does and and he has his little giggles when he goes to do something he like pops up and does hee hee and then runs off to the excavator or whatever, right? And it like I saw Pee Wee Herman do it and I was like oh my gosh it's Blippi. But the big difference would be that there are children who are scripted to come in and like talk and interact to him, with him. It feels very forced. It it feels very unnatural. Or at least the less than ten minutes I got through felt that way. <laughs> But it is very zany, and it's it's all compl- I mean, like the whole thing is entirely absurdity. I mean, the door is misshapen, the furniture talks and moves and wiggles around, the walls, the tree, like everything. It's just yeah, extremely absurd. So that's very different from a more kind of the character is a little bit absurd or a little bit goofy and hyper, but is grounded in very reality with Blippi versus this crazy hyper um, like wild child sort of personality and giggling and goofing and bouncing around that's just completely absurd. So yeah I I definitely want to jump into that um, more because I I think that talking about Blippi in connection with Mr. Rogers. And I've seen, I've pulled up a couple of um, articles that talk about Blippi and, and that he was based on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And I, I can't quite wrap my head around that because... Blippi? Yeah, I don't see that at all. 
the well, other day, my husband Chris came in and was like, I'm really glad we started watching Mr. Rogers with Millie because, like, he's so calm. Like, he can turn Mr. Rogers on and let Millie watch while he gets a few things done in the mornings. And it's it's just, he just feels so chill. Very. And he feels like he's learning something. You know, he's learning how crayons are made. He's learning um, about feelings and mistakes. Um but it's all done in kind of this very um, mild-mannered way um, and very even-keeled versus some of the, like, even with Sesame Street, where it's like, you turn it on, and it's like, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, Elmo's World. <laughs> and, you know, okay, you're just Elmo, like, Elmo okay, oh, my God. Of Sesame Street. For sure. Okay, can we talk <laughs> about that? Yes. I, I, I remember Sesame Street before Elmo's World. I remember Elmo was there. I remember Grover was more the main character. Like, uh, of the mm-hmm. slot that Elmo fills, the space that Elmo fills, it was more Grover back when we were, when I was very young. And then Elmo came along and they, mm-hmm. he sort of started to take over and then the Tickle Me Elmo and all that happened. And then they made Elmo's World because Elmo needed his own thing. And he definitely, once he got Elmo's World, Elmo's World is the blippy of Sesame Street. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, and he's the Pee Wee Herman because he also has kind of that very Yeah, uh, he's got a high pitched g- giggle. He's got the high pitched giggle. All of all of his furniture and stuff is kind of like it, just it's absurd. Yeah, there's there is that element of absurdity for Elmo. He um, can make a scribble on the wall and it'll like come off the wall and interact with him. Right. And he talks with his friend Mr. Noodle. I mean like yeah, there's a lot of different oh, Mr. Um, Noodle. <laughs> that's a Who's really that's a really good point. Yeah, no, I think he's the Blippi. I mean, it's definitely more Sesame Street, but, like, of Sesame Street, that's that's the Blippi. But I, I will say, when we're comparing, like, if you're saying, especially if Blippi is asserting, or if other people are asserting that Blippi comes somewhere there in his roots, there's some Fred Rogers, I would say it probably stems from Fred Rogers felt like children's programming. There was no good children's programming, and he wanted there to be good children's programming he felt like there wasn't good content for children and I mean this was at the advent of really tv being Mm -hmm. everywhere it was in the 60s when a lot of people just had black and white tvs and a lot of people didn't have tvs but where there were tvs it was mostly adult programming and he thought you know if kids are going to be there and kids are going to be watching tv they need to have something that's worthwhile to watch rather than just goofy cartoons of mice driving boats off of cliffs and stuff so (laughs) I mean, think about it, like old Disney cartoons and like yeah. Wile E. Coyote and, you know. Yeah, exactly. The Roadrunner. Everybody's right. just hurting everybody. Everybody dies multiple deaths, but they Bugs somehow Bunny. come back every... Yeah. Literally the theme of... Elmer Bugs Fudd Bunny with a whole... rifle. <laughs> right. The whole are those point cartoons... is very murderous. The guy who constantly wants to kill the main character. Are those always. cartoons the con- contemporaneous or aren't those um, later? I know Looney Tunes. Let's see. Um, we didn't do our homework, y'all. <laughs> well, I was, I was going this to say, like, I, I kind of right want to want to raise my hand in defense of Looney Tunes. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of nonsensical stuff that goes on there and a lot of violent stuff. But I think one of the really clever things they did was associate classical music with it That's in true. a lot of ways. That's true. And I think that was absolutely brilliant. I think that they had a lot of really good characters I, I feel like they kind of ran into some sa- some of the problems that we're kind of seeing with Dr. Seuss, where some of their content is questionable now, but for the time it sure. was acceptable. But I, I really liked what they did with, with classical music. And frankly, I think Looney Tunes would be much better than Blippi. Uh, I would 
I would much rather. And from what I've what I've heard, I I don't have any experience with uh, Pee Wee Herman, but he doesn't he doesn't sound great either. I, I, mean, I he watched, definitely kills it on absurdity. Like, yeah. he's getting yes. those points. Hundred percent, got it. He goes places. Like he does the same thing. He visits, you know, his Pee Wee's Playhouse. He went all over the United States, like visiting these places, and and I think that's kind of. You know, that's what Blippi does a lot. He's He just visits different playhouses, different museums, all these things that he thinks kids might be interested in. Um, it's the same concept. So I did, I did a quick Google, and it looks like in the 1960s, there was the Jetsons. Well, these are the top most popular ser- animated series. The Jetsons, Bullwinkle, Flintstones, Mr. Magoo, and Deputy Dog. And then in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s, there was Pink Panther... The Adam Stanley Batman, Adventures of Gulliver, Popeye, um, Super Friends, things like that. And so there was a lot of cartoons. Not a, a lot of it was very educational. And so Fred Rogers came around and made Mr. Rogers in 1968. Um, he did work on children's shows in the 50s and 60s. So there was he tried to create. They started a children's show called The Children's Corner, and Mr. Rogers, which is one word. In 1963, Children's Corner was 55, and Mr. Rogers, one word, was 63. And then in 68, they came out with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, But I think he came from, I mean, like, he wanted to create, I've I've heard that, I've read that, that was a big talking point when the movie about Mr. Rogers came out, which I have not seen, disclaimer, have not seen the movie, but that he wanted to create really good children's programming. Mm -hmm. And Blippi, according to Stephen John, was about creating good children's content for YouTube, which I guess if it's all about relativity, <laughs> can I say something a lot about of that? really yeah. terrible stuff on YouTube? Relatively, here's a comparison in this article: uh, in an internet full of Momo and Tide Pod challenges, every toddler needs yep. a loving friend who engages them in a good, clean fun. Fred Rogers was that friend for me, and Blippi is that friend for my kids. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's that's that. how it's compared. Like, well, it's if you don't want to, if you don't want your kids trying to, you know, kill themselves or <laughs> whatever, right. then Blippi is a, is a good cho- alternative. Yeah, but I would, I, I would also you. like to say, PBS Kids is still out there. Like, you can, and you free. can watch. <laughs> yeah, you, Absolutely. You can watch Mr. Rogers on. I think it's like MrRogers.org or something like that, or uh. watch Mr. Rogers or something like that. Um, so it's it's still out there, and frankly, so like I watched I watched a couple of episodes of Mister Rogers to sort of match up with my blippy content of last week, and so I think one of the things that really struck me was of all of the things that I've been watching with my nieces and with my kid, everything's really fast paced nowadays. Blippy's really fast paced. Mm-hmm. PJ Mas- Max is it PJ Max or masks? Masks. Masks, okay. Like, thing you put on your face, I believe. Okay, I always get that wrong. But uh, even Coco Melon, which I really like, they're all very quick and to the point and changing and trying Flying to make... make Yeah, exactly. Pictures. With Coco Melon, I can kind of understand because it's limited to the amount of space that is in the song. And so you kind of have to rush things. But everything else, I feel like... With Paw Patrol and with PJ Masks, it's more about the action than it is about anything actually geared towards the kid. I feel like what makes it a kid's show is the plot of 
the story and not not the fact that it's trying to to teach kids something or model something for kids. It's not doing any of that. Whereas the real big thing with Mr. Rogers and one of the things that makes him able to be so laid back is the fact that he's actually attempting to interact. Even though there's not a kid physically there with him, he's interacting with the camera the way that you would interact with a person. And like Blippi. Exactly. And, but even Blippi's also, again, super fast-paced. Super, super fast-paced, for sure. Um, but he breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, the exactly. The fourth wall being the wall between the watcher and the actor. And I think that, uh, I think that Blippi and Mr. Rogers are, have that in common. I think that Blippi, one of the things that Blippi has in common with the other shows is that it's not about the plot for him, it's about the thing that he's looking at. If he wants to look at excavators, that's his focus. Um, it's still very fast-paced. It's still very flashy. It's still very uh, hyper child, constantly laughing, always happy. Not really dealing with the realness of life, whereas Mister Rogers one hundred percent deals with the realness of life. Like I, uh, <laughs> I so I hadn't ever watched Mister Rogers as a kid, but the first two episodes, I was just kind of doing some stuff on my computer and watching it with my kid out of the corner of my eye. And it was the episode where they're talking about making mistakes. And it starts out innocently enough with Mr. Rogers mistook that he has a meeting today and he thought it was yesterday and that was his mistake and he's got to rush off. But he's going to leave us with someone he trusts and we meet that man and we talk with him and we learn some sign language, which I thought was really, really neat. But then when, it, when they go into the make-believe portion of the show, Daniel the Tiger is like, sometimes I think I'm a mistake. And I was like, holy crap. Jeez. Like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you, you, went, you went deep. Like, Daniel, you're God speaking damn. my language, man. Like, yeah, and I was like, holy, holy <laughs> crap. You, it's a good show, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, a good spinoff. That, yeah, that that thing made me stop and go, wait, what? You can do that? Which because nobody, well, like, well, in one of our previous episodes, I mentioned, like, there is just a superfluous amount of giggling in every single show. Mm-hmm. From what it sounds like, Pee Wee Herman, uh, Blippi, Coco Melon, every toy has giggling in it. And then you have Mr. Rogers, who has a puppet tiger that says, sometimes I feel like I was a mistake because I'm not like other tigers. And I'm like, holy Christ. Like, that broke my heart, and I've never seen this show before. So I am... Um, now you're glued. Yeah, exactly. How, does, how did Mr. Rogers help? Well, actually, it was... Um, a friend. Lady Lady Aberlene, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she, they, they sang about it, which I thought was also fun. She was singing about how, yes, you're not like other tigers in this respect, but some of those things are the things that I like best about you. And I was like, that's, that's so, man. Something beautiful. That's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's beautiful, but it's also just like, God damn, that is, that is both deep and eminently practical. And he, they show they just show things that I think are incredibly common to kids, but are not pleasant. And in the in the other episode that I watched was I think it was titled something like "Having Friends Is Hard" or something like that. Henrietta the cat, and I forget what his name is, but he was an owl puppet. They get into a conflict because the owl is being too bossy. <laughs> Henrietta doesn't want to be his friend anymore. And they go through this process of trying to resolve the conflict. And in the end, it, it, gets, it gets resolved in the very end. But 
what you think is going to be an easy resolution actually stops because the cat's like, well, I don't care. I don't want to be your friend anymore. And I was like, holy cow, way to make it like much more complex than just, oh, we have a solution. It's the, the owl apologizes and we're done. Rap, mm-hmm. That's a wrap. We can go home. They actually make like they actually give it levels of sometimes apologizing isn't enough. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes space, and that's okay. And I was just wow. like, man, Mister Rogers is some quality. He doesn't TV. underestimate his audience. He doesn't. Right. He doesn't think that they're just gonna lose interest just because there's not a bunch of colors. Yes, absolutely. Like, spend time on these things that matter for kids who need to hear these messages. He slows down Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. takes the time to be there with the kids through the hard stuff. And it's enthralling to the children. My kid will just sit. I mean, he you think it's so slow, like, he's not going to watch it. Nope. He's absolutely drawn in. Going back to this idea that... You know, you can slow things down and it doesn't have to be incredibly happy and just colorful. And Mr. Rogers, and maybe it's part of the, you know, the time that it was made, too, in the 1960s. You said it started in 1968, Jennifer. And yeah, um, and ran all the way to 2001, though. So Yeah, really... so maybe the cut. So I haven't seen any of the more recent episodes. So I don't know what the, the quality of the video is like. But it it is very much muted. Like, you know, he wears... What it, what's the color of his cardigan? It's like maroon or navy or something. He's not wearing these bright colors and, and, and there's not a lot of background noise. It's just familiar spaces, things that are familiar to kids. From what I remember, the kind of most absurd he gets is when he goes into that, he goes to the castle, right? And he talks, is that where he talks with Daniel Tiger? Mm-hmm. Yep, you go in trolley and you go through the Daniel castle. The tiger. Yeah, and the, and there's the train and and all of that. And, trolley, it's a trolley. Uh, My toddler would definitely. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's a it's a tro- It's a trolley. I apologize <laughs> to all the Mr. Rogers fans. Also, um, trolley is a little bit anthropomorphic. Like responds to input. Yeah, so. it does. I thought that was kind of cool. It doesn't. It, there you go. It's Absurdity. not physic. It's not physically anthropomorphized, but it definitely right. has a personality. There you yep. go. Inventedness, absurdity. Um, he covers all of those things. And that's one of the things that, that does kind of drive me crazy about Blippi uh, is that he definitely has the absurdity down, but it, it's not focused. It's not funneled toward anything that matters necessarily. It just is. Well, Instead of kind of moving is... a plot along or, or moving an idea along, it's it's just... Let's plaster on some of this so that the kid sits there and watches it. Yeah, his absurdity um, feels very surface and brief. It, he doesn't, like you said, in you know, mm-hmm. with the banana with the face, he doesn't talk about, he doesn't anthropomorphize the banana. Right. He says it's a banana. Right. Versus, to like, his point, absurdity would be, like, playing with a toy and making it act like it's real. I think that's about right. as far as I've seen his absurdity go. Apparently, in Pee Wee's Playhouse... There were characters, and I kind of remember this. Uh, there was Terry the pterodactyl, but it was his name is spelled with a PT. PT. Okay, that's math. <laughs> Which is genius. But then there yeah. was also uh, Clocky the talking clock. So he's not being super inventive, but it also is because I don't know for some reason that's funny to me. Just because it's Others not that. that. It's not, yeah, it's like, well, yeah. what's this little guy's name? Is his name is Bear? <laughs> well, it is yeah. a bear. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> so, 
Yep. So it's that's fine. So I kind of get it. Um, but yeah, I like the the idea that I, I I do think that there is a place, there is a way that you can blend reality and absurdity and make it funny or make it work. And I do think that Pee Wee does that. Still grating on the nerves, but <laughs> I think that Pee Wee still elevates the child audience over just kind of like well, now we're going to go do this and see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think you should go watch it before you like watch it as an adult. Maybe as a kid it felt that way. I don't know. Maybe was, as a kid I, I was just really kid. excited about it. I loved that chair. That chair creeps me right out. I did not the see it as a kid. Disclaimer. was so great. Disclaimer, never saw it as a kid. I thought I had. I had not. I think I saw the movie. Fair Playhouse enough. It just freaked me right out. I do remember that I remember part of the movie, I guess, with with his bicycle, which he bicycle. came up. He came up with that idea. Paul Rubens came up with that idea when he was on he was on the was it Universal Studios lot, and he noticed everybody riding around on bicycles, and he was like, "Oh, when am I going to get my bicycle?" And they gave him like they, they issued him one, <laughs> and then he was like, and then he was Standard like, "Oh my issue. god, this is this is the movie." Pee Wee Herman falls in love with his bike. He loves this bike. He spends the rest of the movie trying to find it. And he wrote he wrote the movie based on just that moment of just getting that. a bike from. Now that is some creativity. From, see, so I think Paul Rubens has a little bit uh, a one up on Stephen John yeah. as far as you know he was in this line of work to begin with. He was in the entertainment business to begin with. So Stephen John, I think we need I I do need to give him a little bit of a learning curve, I guess, because he came from a very different background into this, and he came through it. it at a different in a different avenue like he went through the internet right. channel versus this paul rubens was in hollywood he was his specials included people like whoopi goldberg and um all these famous people other famous people at the time and so it's kind of you know it's kind of hard to compare the two in that respect but well i think that's a really interesting point though is looking at the backgrounds of some of these people like i i agree that i think blippy should be given a learning curve despite the fact that he's been doing it for quite a while now. Because you, I think sometimes you can equate success with quality, and uh, that's not necessarily the case. Like you said, Pee Wee Herman was already already in the business, so he kind of, he kind of has that one up. As far as Fred Rogers, he was an, or, an ordained Presbyterian minister, and he wanted to make quality TV shows. Quite honestly, if, if you had, you know made me put a bet on that, I would have said that's going to be the most boring show. It's going to be absolutely <laughs> terrible. It's going to be all about Jesus, and it's going to be <laughs> hella boring. But he comes kind of out of left field for me and actually does something that is totally unrelated to his background <laughs> and is focused on actually creating a neighborly sort of vibe with everybody on the show because there are lots of other people on the show. It's not just... Fred Rogers talking to the camera, but it's also him talking with Mr. Aber and various people that he meets around the town and all the people in uh, the make-believe land. And I think, I, I don't know where he, if he, he got the idea on his own. I know that he um, apparently consulted with a woman who was a child psychologist to create Mr. Rogers. But uh, I don't know how how involved he was, if he was just an actor and a conduit, or if he was actually, like, uh, active in writing and directing the show. 
But uh, I think he, he could have really bollocksed it up based on his background. <laughs> um, and he didn't. In fact, he, he went the complete opposite direction and I think made super quality TV. I don't know if our listeners can tell, but I am thoroughly impressed with Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. And um, <laughs> I, gave it, I gave it a 10 out of 10. Nice. Just absolutely you, excellent. Do you guys want to know what the chair's name is in Pee Wee's Playhouse? Always. Oh, yeah, definitely. Cherry. (laughs) (laughs) Not cherry like, you know, the fruit. It's like But it's it's a pun. I-R-R-Y. That's such such a good... It's so funny. I don't know why. Like Terry the Pterodactyl. That's like... I think it's... I think those sort of easy but clever things are Mm -hmm. uh, some of the best sort of humor that you can have. Yeah. There's Jombie. Terry the Pterodactyl and Cherry the Chair. Right. Well, what I always already like about, I and mean, we talked about this, it, the, he could name he could name his clock clocky. He can name his chair Cherry. At least he's interacting, even if it's furniture. At least he's, at least he's interacting with something other than just the the camera. And I know right. that you know we've talked about the fourth wall. Honestly, I think Pee Wee does that too. The the fourth wall is broken anytime there's a human character on a on a children's show. Um, they are breaking the, the fourth wall because there well, is an audience that they're trying to, to keep engaged, and that's one really great way to do it. But being able to interact with other things and people and animals, I think, is still super important because otherwise it's just you looking at the camera and walking backwards a lot, which is what I feel like every Blippy episode looks like. I think also as far as these shows trying to model behavior for kids, especially for very, very young kids like my kid, who's two, you want them to make pretend. You want them to imagine things. You want them to use their imagination and make up goofy friends out of the salt and pepper shaker. You don't want them to just learn about actual things like you see in Blippi a lot. Like, yes, that's that's, that's good stuff, and I forever will know the difference between a uh, front loader and a bulldozer because of Blippi. <laughs> and since they're doing construction outside my house that my kid loves watching, I'm like, that is a front loader. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but also you want them to be able to do more than just look at a screen. You want them, you want to model using your mind for things that aren't just mm-hmm. Logical and thinking and you want them to be able to do things with their imaginations and you want them to do things with their emotions And I think that it sounds like Pee-wee did that with the imagination at least I don't know Did you did you notice anything about any sort of emotional learning that was on Pee-wee's show or was it mostly just imagination with absurdity? Uh, There's a lot of imagination He's mainly kind of just the giggly hyper childlike yeah. person there is a different like so he's not happy all the time and again it's been ages since i've seen Wee herman i have not i did not get a chance to watch any before i before we recorded but i did look up these articles to kind of refresh my memory um, but he did have like temper tantrums okay um he was kind of vindictive sometimes. <laughs> like he would want to get back at people if they if they did something that he or you know if he felt wronged in some way. He had a famous insult. Um, I know you are, but what am I? Uh, you know, yeah, like yeah. And he would throw that. Popular in the 90s. Exactly, it was super popular. So he threw that yeah. out. He wasn't always. There was a dark side to him. And Paul Rubens has 
frequently, like anybody who interviews him, he usually will bring up his uh, his alter ego Pee Wee Herman, which he's trying to, to uh, shop a script about, which it's not an alter ego. It's still Pee Wee Herman, but it's like dark Pee Wee Herman is how he describes oh. it. And he wants Pee Wee Herman basically to like become a, a famous singer and then just totally uh, hit rock bottom and like get into <laughs> drugs and alcohol. Oh and, like, <laughs> I um, I honestly, I gotta say, I would probably be interested in that. Um, <laughs> well, Judd, Judd Patel was not, so <laughs> he was like, "Hey, can't we just do Fun Herman, uh, Pee Wee Herman instead?" Well, but I, yeah, he wants he calls it the Pee Wee Herman story, and he's been writing that script for ages, and he's just trying to figure out who's gonna. Who's going to help well, him I feel bring like his lo- reflective of his dream to life? Of his, like, Absolutely. Kind of some bottom there. Well, I think he, he was down. working on this even before the arrest, is kind of my understanding. Well, maybe he saw like, it coming. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I visit a lot of porn theaters. Maybe I should start. <laughs> he saw he was this was his therapy for life himself. That might get him <laughs> into some trouble. <laughs> and he was just trying to play out like how it might happen. Yeah. The other thing, so since we brought it up, the other thing I wanted to talk about as far as Stephen John and Paul Rubens, there are several similarities between these two men. Um, first of all, both of them have talked about their child creations, like their, the character creations, as brands. So Pee Wee believe, or see, and that's one of the things too that Paul Rubens has mentioned is like in in meetings where he would be with all of these executives um, in the early days, and they would they would address him as Pee Wee. They would not address him as anything other than Pee Wee. He was not Paul Rubens. He was Pee Wee, which I, we brought up in in one of our other episodes that there's not a Wikipedia page for Stephen John. It just directs you straight to Blippi. There is a Wikipedia page for Paul Rubens, but not for Blippi and and Stephen John. So. I thought that was really interesting. And then the other thing that was very similar between the, the two men is, is their past and how they, they came into the children's entertainment market from more adult humor and, and almost seamlessly. You know, like there was no, nobody questioned it. Side note, you said Stephen John doesn't have a Wikipedia. It's that Blippi doesn't have a Wikipedia. And Stephen, oh, Blippi, yes, it okay. goes to Stephen John. But there is no Blippi Wikipedia. If you want information about Blippi, you have to go to Stephen John. Okay. Interesting. I wonder if, I wonder if he took a page from Paul Rubens because also Paul Rubens does not have a star on the Hollywood. What is it called? The Hollywood walk. It's Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman has the star. I gotta say that would, that would kind of piss me off. I don't know. Like, (laughs) yeah. Um, I, I, I don't imagine there are a whole shit ton of actors that are just like, I am always, always, always in character. You will not call me by my actual name. You right. will call me. I mean, this is Steve a man Rogers. though. He went on the, the dating game as Pee Wee Herman, so I feel like right. he was he ready to commit. He was committing. He was committing to this this character. I mean, maybe he was, but that would that would if if I were not also committed, I would I would not be like, uh, no, you did not just call me Pee Wee Herman. The cameras are not on. That is not my name. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting to to look at how the two men handled their scandals. So while Stephen John committed to wiping the internet of this video of himself doing something that is pretty gross, right? 
sorry everybody out there who has a kink like that's it's weird yeah um power to you but i don't i don't want to come across it <laughs> on the internet i don't want to come across i don't want to come across it on the internet when i look up harlem shake okay so <laughs> so he he just like you know is trying to 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 get rid of it and pretend like it never happened which i have qualms with paul rubens one he lived in a time where you just can't do that like the internet wasn't huge at that point it was it was getting it was getting uh, traction but not it wasn't as pervasive as it is today and the news outlets totally blasted him for you know for getting caught and for for doing what he did and his answer to that was just, you know, I, I need to take a step back. He stepped out of the spotlight. And then a decade or so later, he said, you know, it's time. It's time to come back. You know, I feel like I've, I've done my penance. And that to me is more, I feel like that's just more honorable, to be honest. Like he, he didn't try to, to hide it. He, he doesn't like to talk about it, obviously. And, and it was, according to him, kind of a, a traumatizing time during his life. But he doesn't act like there, it was not a big deal. He doesn't act like it's not something that he can't live with, you know? Right. Um, so I thought that, yeah, or... he's not denying that it happened. Um, he doesn't, he's not going to talk about it. He's wanting to move on from it, understandably, but he's not trying to make it disappear. Well, the interesting thing about that is, even though I never watched Pee Wee Herman as a kid, uh, I still remember when that came out. I remember hearing Pee Wee Herman mm -hmm. that he'd done something everybody right. considered was awful because I was I was still pretty young at that point. I didn't I didn't know exactly what happened, but Pee Wee Herman, you know, beloved child's icon, had done something horrible, and I still remember that. And that's actually what I associated when we started talking about yep. Pee Wee Herman yep. was oh Pee Wee yeah. Herman did something. Whereas, he masturbated, guys. Yeah. He masturbated in a porn theater <laughs> well, <laughs> with, with all the other men who were in the porn theater doing the right. same thing. Adults. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but like Pee Wee um, Herman, like you said, uh, really got the, the, the spotlight with that. And he, the media did blast him. Like I remember that as a kid. And then Stephen Johns is like, well, the, the kind of good thing about him is I had never heard of him doing anything. It only resurfaced a little while ago after he became blippy. Like the internet is now so huge that it can very easily get lost. But I, I, I don't know. I wonder if they just had different reactions because of the different media that's available and the different, uh, different kind of coverage that you can get. I mean, you mm -hmm. can still, the media can still blast you, but again, the internet's such a huge place that well, who knows how many people will actually. Yeah. Right. He wasn't famous when he did it. Exactly. He didn't get famous until after, whereas Pee Wee Herman was famous when he did it. However, mm -hmm. to some extent, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, Stephen John, if you're listening, you better thank me here. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in that you wouldn't want a child looking for Blippi to yeah. come across that video. Exactly. And so trying to, because there's no video of what Paul Rubens did. Mm -hmm. I hope. There's the story, and, and he was arrested, and that's all true, and there's a record of it, but there's no, like, you're not going to be Googling him and come across live footage of it, whereas with yes. the Harlem Shake video, a that's child a looking point. for a Blippi video could accidentally stumble across. So as a responsible person, you might want to purge get, that. Yeah, purge that as much as you possibly can to avoid the, the chance of traumatizing it, some person. Especially <laughs> since it could very easily get relabeled, because I know that it was it was done under, like, Steezy Grossman, but somebody could very easily relabel that as Blippi. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The guy that was Blippi did this, and yeah. then a kid looking for Blippi would find 
So I, I do think that's a good point. I think he is being responsible trying to wipe it off the internet. I think, yeah, I, I do. I, I appreciate that both men are, are trying to come back from something that wasn't great in their past. You know, we don't want to get too much into cancel culture discussions because they could last forever. And it's really not the scope of, of the podcast, <laughs> um, as we've discussed in the past. But I think that it was probably easier for Paul Rubens to make a comeback than it would have been for Stephen John. I, it really doesn't seem like it's phased his fandom that much. Oh, no. To be honest. I don't think it has. But if 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 he were a bigger deal, like if he were, if he were, so like, have you guys been following the Army Hammer stuff? No. Like he's a, he's a big, he's trying to be a big star um, and he keeps just not being a big star. But now like recently it's come out that he's into some pretty kinky sex uh, and he's, he's his kind of, there's a, le- yeah, which is his business, but he put it, you know, there were leaked, there were leaked texts or something, uh, messages allegedly from him, I should say allegedly, right, Jennifer, that's how I get myself out of trouble. Allegedly that he he wrote these uh, pretty disturbing messages to women and he's kind of just kind of falling off the face of the planet. It was the same with Mel Gibson after his DUI and his anti-Semitism speeches. Like he fell off the face of the planet. I think it would be different. What I'm saying is if Stephen John were like this extremely well-known household name or in a lot of films that people have seen, they've paid money for, versus here's a free YouTube show that you just plunk your, your kid in front of and you're, like, doing the dishes while it's on. Right. So I think that's one reason why he's kind of come out unscathed. Pee Wee Herman was already pretty pretty big. Paul Rubens, sorry. Sorry, Paul Rubens. You're not Pee Wee Herman. Mr. Rubens, he was already pretty famous by that point, by the time he was experiencing his trials. So Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge difference is that he was famous before and Stephen John this is something he did before he was famous and so people are bringing it up but it's they're like oh well but that was before you know puppet land that's what he calls puppet his, land. it's yeah sorry totally <laughs> totally unrelated to the current conversation. <laughs> sorry there you go but yeah I just okay. I did find it fascinating that they had more in common as just people in the ch- child entertainment business than than i thought because i was like ah it's probably just going to be that they're kind of crazy they're both kind of kooky but they really have kind of a similar track it kind of goes to this whole if you're going to work in children's television you have to be above reproach barney had a scandal blues clues guy steve mm-hmm. blues clues mm-hmm. had a scandal which mm-hmm. i get cross with Wee herman in my head i think Wee herman molested a child i think steve did or something yeah uh the bl- blues clues i i I think we're, we're going to have to do maybe a comparison episode between Blue's Clues and, and Pee Wee Herman because, oh, yeah, we should totally do an episode about <laughs> about children's show uh, host scandals. But uh, I think Blue's Clues, uh, what's his name? Steven something? Uh, I'm looking it up. Steve. It's been driving me crazy. Steve Burns. Uh, yeah, he, I, I feel like he just took a page right out of Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. I feel like because he even has a chair, doesn't he? Crazy. Does... He does have a he chair. He has like a... I don't think it has eyes. I don't think it. Yeah, it's not anthropomorphic. He doesn't interact with it other than he has it like a. He, he sits in it. Like let's go. What I can't remember. Right, it's his thinking chair or something like that. It's been a long right. time. His mailbox talks. Right, doesn't his mailbox talk? Uh, to him? His mailbox a- arrives when called. 
That's I right. It's like a dog. It doesn't talk. Yeah. I think it responds like, like, or like trolley responds okay. to input. How did I forget about Blue's Clues? Anyway. Yeah. We're going to have <laughs> to look more into that too. But I think you're yeah. right, Jennifer. If you're we in children's television, need... you've got to be a better approach and we should cover that. Yeah. Although that gets into like just trashing people because that's not about the content. That's about the actors. Oh, it's, it's hard. It's kind of like, you know, all of these um, politicians and um, uh, religious figures who mm-hmm. are, are very well known and they're, you know, moralizing the rest of us. And then they have huge skeletons in their closets. Many. So... Dying to talk about it, but not on the podcast. <laughs> I know. Like, that's as much as I wanted to touch on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm withholding. I wanted to talk briefly a little bit more about Mr. Rogers and then we can. I'm done after that. Oh, I'm, I'm ready to wrap after that. It's up to you guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, oh, are you, are you suddenly <laughs> then, telling us when we're, we're finished? Done. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's all I have left content-wise in my brain. Go for it. What were you gonna say? Well, so as for comparing Mr. Rogers and Blibby, I I chose the crayon episode, which I think Jesse you referenced. They go to make crayons. Yes. Um, because it's just going and exploring something. I was looking for an episode where Mr. Rogers goes to something else and explores it. And mm. when comparing that with what happens at Bluey, so Mr. Rogers comes in and he, and he's playing with crayons and it's like, how are crayons made? You know, something that might occur to someone using crayons. And then he goes over to a picture frame on his wall and it comes on like a TV and it kind of starts showing you. And then the camera zooms in and you're in the crayon factory and he's sort of narrating, but he's not there. He's not part mm-hmm. of the picture He's not in it. He's not interacting with it. He's letting the crayon factory workers do their thing. And he's sort of explaining, oh, look, oh, isn't that neat? What's about to happen? They're going to use this. And gonna... he talks about all the technical aspects. And then it zooms back out and he goes, that's really cool. I didn't know that's where my crayons came from. I'm so glad that I could learn that with you today. You know, that kind of Mr. Rogers thing. And then mm-hmm. he sits down and he starts coloring with the crayons. And he just has so many moments of pausing and silence. And when you're doing the mm-hmm. crayon factory, he's explaining it. But there are moments and pauses where it's just you, you're watching and you're just experiencing it. And he doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't have to fill the gap. He's okay with the gap mm-hmm. and letting kids process. And then you go to Blippi, who he does have like normal, natural pauses in speech like I'm having right now. But he doesn't. He feels it seems like he needs to fill the gap. There can't just be a moment where you just sit with it he's going and he's running around every section of the fire station he's telling you all about it and when he's told you everything there is about this section we move on to the next section and we don't just sit with it we can't just explore the thing and and look at it for a bit and i i've noticed with my child that sometimes when he's doing things anything sometimes he just sits with it he'll just sit and look at the thing or explore the thing and we don't have to talk about it Mm -hmm. and mr rogers really hits that a little bit more Definitely. Then a lot of children's programming that's so fast paced. Yeah. Today my kid just played with a sonic cup and the straw and just was looking at how they fit together and what she could do with them individually. And it was Did she get him to make the cricket sound? Not, no. I've shown her how to do it, but she, for some reason, she's like, no, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> so that's not one of the ways that she wants to play with it right now, and I, I have to respect that. <laughs> well, be glad. Be 
Yeah, also, also, yeah, I don't, I don't need that kind of noise walking around the house. And my last note about Mr. Fred Rogers is that his middle name is McFeely, and I don't think there could have been a possibly better middle name for Mr. Rogers. Is that for real? No, it's for real. It's his mother's maiden name, um, McFeely. But like that's why I was like, did he change it? Is this fake? Is it April Fools? We're a little too close to what's happening. And no, it's his mother's maiden name, and it's his middle name is McFeely. Wow. How did I not know? I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that tidbit. That made my day. (laughs) Fred McFeely Rogers. (laughs) One article that I want to mention this because I thought it was hilarious. One article that I read about PB Herman, he was interviewed, and this article was written in January of 2020, January 30th, to be exact. This was an article about, why do I always off the flipping authors sorry i will i will put that in show Kiwi dark reboot paul rubens is ready to stage a comeback uh written in january uh, on january 30th 2020 one point the interviewer says it's hard to it's hard to know how rubens could revive Wee herman and he says, in today's overstuffed entertainment landscape, it's hard to imagine Elaine for a sex- sexagenarian man-child who talks to his furniture. And I wrote my note, which said, ha, this was definitely a pre-pandemic statement. <laughs> because I feel like that's all of us. Just walking around like, hello, chair. Hello, cherry. Hello, couchy. Hello, coffee table. <laughs> You know, in the in the early days of quarantine, when it was just us and whoever we got stuck with, that's very yeah. very true. So I feel like he could definitely come out. I feel like people would one hundred percent relate to some relate. guy just walking around talking to a bunch of furniture and occasionally <laughs> looking at them and doing weird things. <laughs> it's like a typical oh, Thursday night now. So he might be coming back. Um, hopefully, he can get his uh, dark comedy to to get off the ground. I would. I would. If I had any money, I would support that. Well, you might not have to because apparently there's a super fan who from oh, the uh, from from the UK there's always who a super fan. Uh, who has uh, ten million dollars. He's shelled out ten million dollars of his own money to go towards this budget, and apparently he showed up to a meeting in full Pee Wee regalia. That's creepy. Oh wow! There's a huge. He's a he's a cult. Like he has a cult following, like you wouldn't believe. I mean, also Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper sung the Pee Wee Herman theme song. She's uncredited, but it's Cindy Lauper. The theme song is really obnoxious. I wouldn't want to be credited. I take it back. <laughs> it's a different. She. I think she's credited. She. It's under a different name. And a lot of no. people have gotten their start, or like they they went on to do other things. Like Phil Hartman went on to Saturday Night Live. Lawrence Fishburne was Cowboy Curtis on Pee Wee Herman. Lots of other okay. people got their start. Oh, the uh, creators of Wallace and Gromit did a lot of the animation. What? Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, he was kind of a. He was a big deal. They were big, they were doing stuff. That's really was a launching point. I've never thought of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Blippi's definitely never going to be a, a starting point for anybody because he never has anybody on his show. And he never credits the people that do <laughs> never, that. Never and he doesn't credit else. them. That's what I was getting ready to say. Like it sounds like Cindy Lauper chose to go uncredited. Um... <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you want Maybe us for... to credit you for this song? Oh no. God, no. no. God, no. Please don't. No thanks. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> 
Yeah. But yeah, he did. He he definitely made sure people got the credit if they need if they wanted it. Well, I think that might also be a difference in Hollywood. In Hollywood, you're kind of obligated. Like there are rules. Yes. Legitimately. He had connections. Versus a YouTube person. You can basically, you're making a YouTube video. You can do whatever you want until somebody presses but, you on it. Yeah, but at the John same time. has like, mentioned, he's been doing this for a while now. And he's he's got his own tour that he doesn't even he participate doesn't in. <laughs> that would be the place to start making these connections and bumping elbows with some famous people. Yeah. And plus, like, if you're, if you're as wealthy and successful as Blippi, like, you can afford to credit some other folks. At least the actor you paid to play you on your tour, credit that guy. Don't take credit for his work. Oh, I'm sure he got a credit in the playbill, but aside from that. Right. No. I I mean, I'm just saying, like, as a YouTube person, like, making random videos, as he started out, I can see how he got away with not crediting people. I think he should have started crediting people a lot earlier than he has, and he needs to start now. Yeah. Better late than never. Unlike the present. Stephen John. If you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Succumb to the peer pressure. Right. Everybody's down on, on this new podcast. Please start listening to us, too. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much... I, I, I could probably talk more about Pee Wee Herman now than what we have time for, but we can maybe well, we can ma- spill over yeah, we can We can do a whole season on Pee Wee Herman, just like that we're doing be, on Blippi. That would be awesome. I think... I need. Sorry, Jennifer. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I throw your eyeballs in the pool now. Is, Jennifer will not be participating in that. She has declined. Had a mental break. <laughs> John, honestly, okay. What would you say to uh, maybe doing that? Oh, I don't know if I can share your news, Jennifer. We'll talk about it. We'll, John. You and I can do it when when Jennifer needs a break. Okay. On down the line. Oh, he knows him. All right. And on that note, I think we should. Uh, I think we should wrap it up. I don't have anything else to say yeah. about Mr. Rogers. I love him. Uh, he is my neighbor. He is my grandpa. <laughs> Not a mouse. <laughs> Not a mouse. Not the German grandpa who is a human male. His ghost is your new. Uh, what is it? Um, oh, what are those? What are those surrogate parents? If you die, what are they called? Godparents. Yeah. Are you going to make his ghost? Alex's godparents? No, God, uh, Alex already has godparents. Alive ones? Yes. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, now I. I feel absurd. I need to, like, yes, I think we need to wrap up. It's getting late. We're absurd. All right, and that was our comparison episode, and cue the music. Uh, bah, 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 bah. This is very news action. News action at 10 with shit my kid watches. Love it. <laughs>